Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered all throughout July with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for baseball, WNBA, MMA, boxing, and more. Use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It is a fan flipping tabulous Wednesday, July 5th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We've got a great show coming at you today. We are going to take a pause from the NBA At the time of recording, which is on the 4th of July, there has not been an update on the Damian Lillard situation, so if there is no update, we'll get back to that story on Thursday and a conversation about what will probably end up being the most transformative trade of this NBA free agency period. By the way, if you are interested in all the other NBA free agent news and notes and a little talk about James Harden, which I know isn't a free agent move, but it is a story that was a big deal until Damian Lillard demanded, finally bit the bullet and demanded a trade out of Portland. If you want a conversation about those moves and some of the interesting storylines around NBA free agency, Monday's episode is the place to go. Today, we're going to talk about the WNBA because the WNBA is the sport of the summer this year. I know we've talked about baseball on this show quite a bit, and for years we've talked about baseball, but we also like talking about the WNBA here on this show. And it's been about a month since we checked in on the W and so there is a really 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 interesting story that is developing in the WNBA if you're listening to this on the day that the podcast is released which is July 5th the Las Vegas Aces are going to be playing the second place team in the Western Conference which is the Dallas Wings and uh, a couple months ago during WNBA's season opener in May, we talked about how Arike Agumbawale could be the WNBA MVP. 
working for the, uh, playing for the Dallas Ma- uh, Dallas Wings, and the Dallas Wings were a team that was kind of kind of be middle of the pack, but she had an opportunity to score a ridiculous amount of points on a team that was probably going to be in the middle of the league. Kind of like the whole James Harden on the Rockets thing, where the team is not good enough to win a championship, but she's good enough to put up numbers that will put her at the top of the most valuable in the sport. Well, the Dallas Wings have propelled themselves to second place in the Western Conference in the WNBA with a record of 7-8. and eight. <laughs> Every team in the WNBA in the West, 2-6, through six, and there's only 12 teams in the WNBA, so there's six teams in the Western Conference. Five of the six Western Conference teams are below 500. And it's not like the Eastern Conference is this dominating conference either. The Eastern Conference has three teams above 500 and three teams below 500. The Chicago Sky just lost their NBA champ or their WNBA champion coach over the weekend. So, like the East isn't this conference that's dominating in the way that like the American League is dominating the National League in baseball. No, it's just there are five teams in the WNBA Western Conference all happen to be under 500 and The first place team in the WNBA, the Las Vegas Aces, are the greatest WNBA team ever assembled, and it's kind of not even close. They're 15-1 and to start the season, and there's a chance they might not lose more than one or two games the rest of the season, because not only are the Aces 15-1, and they have five All-Stars. In the Western Conference, their entire lineup of Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, the former number one pick, Candace Parker, who's the mercenary going back and forth between teams is a late addition, and of course, the woman who's going to win her third WNBA MVP, Asia Wilson, the best player in women's basketball right now. All of them are all-stars. For the Las Vegas Aces. They were a super team coming into the season. We talked about this story a little while ago about how the WNBA is becoming a have and have not sport. The the finances of the sport have structured it in such a way that the Las Vegas Aces are a team with a billionaire owner And the New York Liberty are a team with a billionaire owner who happens to own the NBA franchise in New York, the Brooklyn Nets of Joe Tsai. For the Las Vegas Aces, it is uh, Mark Davis, infamous Las Vegas Raider owner Mark Davis, who owns the Las Vegas Aces. And about seven of the owners in the WNBA are either billionaires or multi-multi-hundred millionaire owners. And then there's about three franchises that are reasonably wealthy but also pale in comparison to the rest of the league and so the WNBA is becoming the sport of haves and have-nots where even in a salary cap sport Brianna Stewart of the Seattle Storm two-time champion with that team the the franchise of Sue Bird Brianna Stewart leaves in free agency to go to the New York Liberty, a franchise that last year had gotten busted for giving private planes to their, or giving chartered flights to their team, which is against the WNBA bylaws. But it's ridiculous that it's against the WNBA bylaws. It is put in place so that 
the ownership groups that are worth tens of millions instead of billions of dollars don't look bad because they can't financially compete with the have owners of the sport. And it's really about 75% are uber wealthy and about three of the ownership groups are moderately wealthy, but not billionaire level wealthy where they can just stunt on play or stunt on the league by spending money and circumventing salary cap rules and all that stuff. And Mark Davis notoriously cheap owner in the NFL has come to the WNBA and has started stunting. We have talked about that before this Las Vegas aces story goes way beyond just Mark Davis out here stunting on everybody. Because, yeah, Mark came out and started stunting on everybody this offseason. And Mark Davis, by the way, has gotten in trouble for circumventing salary cap rules. They have deducted draft picks from the Las Vegas Aces. They have suspended head coach Becky Hammond in relation to some of the stuff that they've done. Like The Aces have been repeat offenders of breaking WNBA rules, which, by the way, they should absolutely break. The rules are ridiculous. The best way to grow a sport that is about 50 years behind the NBA. And again, the reason I say 50 years behind is women's sports were illegal for 50 years. Like when men's sports were getting their foundation, women's sports were illegal. And so male sports got a 50 year head start to their female counterparts in a sport that is growing in popularity and growing financially to the fact where most of these teams are not only profitable, but worth multi millions of dollars to the point where like they were being folded in the 2000s and there was fear that the league would go under because they were losing money. Not only are these teams profitable, they're worth millions of dollars now and when you have billionaire owners who are willing to stunt and lose money to grow that sport and to pay these players, you should absolutely break all the rules. And I encourage Mark Davis to break all the rules and pay all these benefits and everything in between. Like do everything in your power to just skirt these rules. Same thing with Joe Sy over with the Liberty. Same thing with the owner in Chicago, who also is a billionaire who stunts on the rules. It's not Reinsdorf, but it's another Chicago billionaire who stunts on the rules and pays people all sorts of money. Uh, our guy Ishbia, who just bought the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, hope that Ishbia comes out and starts stunting in the WNBA the way that he's stunting with his finances in Phoenix right now for the for the Phoenix Suns. Like, yeah, break all the rules, go for it. The reason I bring this up is that not only have the Las Vegas Aces been stunted on all the rules, they have the greatest team in the history of the WNBA. They might finish the regular season 35 and 2 or 36 and 1, and they just wrapped up a week where they played against three of the best teams in the WNBA. They're going to play the the Wings coming up this weekend who again are second place in a Western Conference that isn't really all that good. But the Las Vegas Aces played against the in uh the, this team is below 500 but just they played the Indiana Fever and Aliyah Boston who is the number 1 pick in the draft and beat them by beat them two games in a row by 13 and by 8. They played the Phoenix Mercury the weekend before they won by 20 points. They played the Minnesota Lynx who granted aren't a very good team, beat them by 31. Played the Seattle Storm, beat them by 33. Like, this team is winning games by double digits every single time they play. The fact that the Fever lost by eight was a shocker. And then, last week, the Aces played against the 
New York Liberty, the second super team in the W with former league MVP Brianna Stewart and also Brianna Stewart, who's going to finish second place for WNBA MVP this year behind Asia Wilson. Playing Brianna Stewart, Sabrina Unescu, and Courtney Vandersloot, which is a big three that is second to only the Las Vegas Aces in the sport. They were viewed as the two super teams. They were expected to play for the WNBA championship at the start of the season. The Aces won against the Liberty by 17 points. And by the way, it was the first time that they had played each other all season because the W set up that scheduling so that the Aces and Liberty would play later into the season for their two, uh, three matchups. And first time they played, the Aces, with one loss on the season, beat them by 17 points with Stewie, with Sabrina Unescu, and with Courtney Vandersloot playing just wiped the floor with the Liberty. And then this weekend... After Thursday, on Saturday, they were at home playing against the Connecticut Sun. And for those who haven't been following the WNBA super closely, the Connecticut Sun are the second best team in the WNBA, or at the very least going into the game against the Aces. They were the second best team in the WNBA. They were 12-4. and They were first place in the Eastern Conference. And the Connecticut Sun are one of those franchises that doesn't have an ownership group that is worth multiple, multiple million, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. The Connecticut Sun are a team that only has two All-Stars, zero who are starters in the All-Star game. They've made like three or four big trades the last couple years. They've made the playoffs but gotten bounced in the first round. The Connecticut Sun are a team that doesn't spend a ton of money and doesn't stunt on the league and the league rules. They play at the uh, Mohican Sun Casino in Connecticut because I believe one of the Native American tribes owns the Connecticut Sun. And that franchise is second in the WNBA despite the fact that they're like a, uh, a, a superstarless team. Like they are really good, but uh, other than Elisa Thomas, they don't really have a name on the team. And even Elisa Thomas isn't starting in the All-Star game this year. So they're kind of like a nameless team that just might go on a run to the championship this year. And the Sun lost as the second best team in the sport against the Aces At one point, they were down 28 points. And when the Aces pulled their starters, it was a 25-point lead. In a 40-minute game, the Las Vegas Aces scored 102 points. Those five All-Stars that we mentioned earlier for the Aces, all of them scored in double figures. Kelsey Plum put up 25. Asia Wilson put up 23. Candace Parker put up 15. Jackie Young, 11. Chelsea Gray, 11. Everyone on that team who is an all-star, balled out against the Connecticut Sun. A Connecticut Sun team that, by the way, their leading scorer had 19 points and their second leading scorer had 12. And that was Elisa Thomas. Like, the Connecticut Sun, the second best team in the WNBA, and the New York Liberty, the third best team in the WNBA, who by the time you're listening to this might be the second best team in the WNBA, those two teams got smoked out the building 
by the Las Vegas Aces. And by the way, the Connecticut Sun are the only team this year who's beaten the Las Vegas Aces. Forgot to mention that earlier. The Sun, who are this superstarless team that is really good and really deep. The Connecticut Sun, who beat the Aces earlier in the season, lost basically by 25 when they played the Aces over the weekend in their rematch. And the New York Liberty... In their first matchup of the year against the Aces, the teams that started the year were picked to win the championship. It was Aces and Liberty, the start of the season. The Aces beat them by 20. Beat them by 20 points. This is the best team in the WNBA, and there's not even a close second. And in the Western Conference, there's nobody really close. Like, if we expanded this out for an NBA season, and we were about 40 games into the season... The next closest team to the Aces 40 games into the season would be 19 games back. That would be the equivalent of the second place team winning 42 games in a conference and first place winning 76. Like the the Las Vegas Aces are so far ahead of everyone else in the Western Conference and everyone else in the WNBA and they have basically spent their way to the top of the sport. Coming off of winning a championship, they signed Candace Parker. They made the trades to to balance out the roster, one of which ended up leading to the, sus- the suspension of Becky Hammond because of uh, comments about a player in her pregnancy and stuff that did they didn't really dive deeper into after the punishment was handed down. But Hammond served her suspension to start the season, came back, and is leading the greatest WNBA team of all time. And the Aces got the best female basketball coach in the world, quantifiably. I mean, everyone kept talking about with Becky Hammond, she was going to be the first female head coach in the NBA, first female assistant coach in the NBA, first female coach to win a summer league championship. Like everything that we talked about with Becky Hammond is that she is the first woman to be a top-level coach in basketball. And Becky Hammond was WNBA Coach of the Year in, tw- in her first year with the Aces in 2022. Becky Hammond is now in her second season and leading the greatest WNBA team of all time. And I think the only job that she would leave potentially for the Aces is as a head coach in the NBA. Because when Becky Hammond first got hired... Back in uh, January of 2022, I'll never forget it. It was New Year's Eve, twenty or sorry, New Year's Day, 2022. It was January 1st, 2022. Becky Hammond got hired as head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, and I remember the conversation around Becky Hammond being, "Oh, that's really disappointing that Becky Hammond won't get to be the first head coach of an NBA team." And it's disappointing that Becky Hammond took a job in the WNBA instead of remaining on Greg Popovich's coaching staff. And my thought at the time, and we can go back and find that podcast episode as well, my thought, because it's still in the archives, that my thought at the time was, we are not talking about this correctly because we are quantifying that Becky Hammond is somehow a disappointment because she won't be the first female head coach in the WNBA when one she still could be the first female head coach in the NBA 
And two, becoming the head coach at the Las Vegas Aces is a really, really good job. Like Becky Hammond taking that position over staying as an assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs was a really, really good decision at the time and has only proven itself to be quantifiably a great move because she is about to be a two-time WNBA Coach of the Year in her first two seasons. She is already a WNBA champion and is coaching the greatest WNBA team of all time. Like Becky Hammond choosing to take that job with the Las Vegas Aces was a much better choice than staying in the NBA assistant coaching ranks because being the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces is a really, really good job. And we had trained ourselves with this notion that being an assistant coach in the NBA or being a G League head coach in the NBA, like uh, Lindsey Harding, who is a former WNBA player, assistant coach with the Sacramento Kings. Lindsey Harding is now the head coach of the uh, Sacramento Kings G League team, the Stockton Kings, when she was on the back of the bench prior to making that decision. And her decision to go and coach the Stockton Kings gives her in a way more I mean some people view that as a better job than even coaching in the WNBA being a G League male coach in the minor leagues being a higher level of promotion than being a WNBA head coach when in reality the WNBA head coaching jobs are really good and really desirable jobs and Becky Hammond getting the head coaching job as the Las Vegas Aces was a byproduct of all the years she had spent coaching at the San Antonio Spurs and we were framing this in the respect of Becky Hammond is a disappointment because she won't get to be the first female head coach in the NBA when one she still had a chance to in the future and two the bigger issue at hand was that we couldn't name a second a third a fourth or a fifth female head coach of an NBA a future female head coach of an NBA team and that was the that was the broader point I talked about when Hammond ended up taking the job as Las Vegas Aces head coach two years ago for what I believe makes her the highest paid head coach in all of the WNBA. And I bring this up now, 18 months later, to make the, the conversation talk about how Becky Hammond has at, at times been forgotten for those who don't pay attention to the WNBA. But if Becky Hammond wants to be a head coach of an NBA team, I think NBA teams should be looking at her as head coach in the same way that people checked in on Don Staley to see if Don Staley wanted to be a head coach of an NBA team or head coach of a male college basketball team. Or people checked in on... Pat Summit years ago to see if she would be interested in coaching a male college basketball team. And what happens with these women in male dominated professions is that often when they go to the women dominated professions like the WNBA, like women's college basketball, they find that there's a greater impact at being at the height of that profession than being another cog in the machine in the male profession and having to carry the burden of being the first this or the first that when it comes to being a woman or a, a, per, a person of color 
or a woman of color in a position of power within sports. And because nobody else is really knocking down the door other than Becky Hammond at this point, Becky Hammond has become this figure of first female head coach in the NBA, already been... That that's the first thing anyone thought of for five years when they talked about Becky Hammond is oh Becky Hammond has a chance to be the first female coach in the NBA when we put that onto Becky Hammond and made it her personality and made it her identify her made it her career that her career aspiration was to be this and I think Becky Hammond going to the WNBA and dominating the WNBA as a head coach with an organization that's willing to stunt on all the WNBA rules has been. A great for her career and many times women in positions of power like Tara Vanderveer at Stanford the former he- uh, female basketball coach there and Don Staley over at South Carolina they've talked before about how making an impact I've also heard Muffet McGraw the the former head coach at, at Notre Dame who coached uh, Arike Agumawale who we talked about earlier I've heard them talk before about how People always, and Gino Ariema has talked about this too, but specifically for women in female sports is we can make a greater impact here because the sport is in its infancy. And because doors aren't open to us in male sports, there are much greater opportunities here to make an impact that eventually down the road, one day those doors will open. Eventually people in power will change. Eventually opportunities will be presented to themselves. And while we're still about a generation away, I view from that happening in terms of like having not just one, but two, three, four, five future female coaches in the NBA, potentially having female head coaches in college basketball, in male college basketball, and potentially having more of a gender equity in the same way that male that a female college basketball has where you see and just female basketball large where you see a blend between male coaches and female coaches and male broadcasters and female broadcasters you're going to see more equity within male sports in the way that already exists in in women's sports and as more women get opportunities to work in these positions you're going to see career decisions like what happened with becky hammond to the point where i'm looking at what Becky Hammond has with the Las Vegas Aces, and I'm thinking that this is a career move. This is a job that you keep for five to ten years. And no job that would come calling for Becky Hammond, I think, is going to be better than where she is right now with the Las Vegas Aces. She's making top-end assistant coach money from the NBA. She's not quite making NBA level um salary as a coach but when becky hammond's next contract comes around i think she's already the highest paid head coach in the w i mean she's going to set records whenever her contract extension comes up with the las vegas aces because i believe there's going to be if i if the writing on the wall sounds correct i believe there's going to be a little bit of a bidding war for becky hammond's services and so I think Becky Hammond being a microcosm of this season for the Las Vegas Aces, which is 18 months ago, leaving the NBA sector to get a better job as head coach of a WNBA team. And the next jump for her, if teams are so inclined in the NBA, is to pursue an NBA head coaching job. But if Mark Davis is going to compensate her like a male professional basketball coach, even if it's on the low end of the spectrum, because I understand that the WNBA salary structures are different than the male salary structures because again, the sport is 
25 years old compared to the 75-year-old NBA because the NBA had a 50-year head start in organizing and creating their league, in large part because women's sports were illegal for 50 years between 1930 and 1970. Hammond's next contract comes up. I assume Mark is going to compensate her like an NBA head coach. And unless NBA teams are going to be clamoring for Becky Hammond's services, I think she's going to be one of the greatest coaches in the history of the WNBA. And even if NBA teams start trying to interview Becky Hammond, I don't think that we're in a position where Becky Hammond tomorrow is up and leaving the WNBA to take an NBA head coaching job with a team that's going to pay her low-end NBA head coach salary. Obviously, she would be a first-time NBA head coach, but she would. I don't think she would take one of these clean-up jobs in the NBA rather than staying with the Las Vegas Aces. I think there are very few coaching opportunities anywhere that would be more valuable than what Becky Hammond has right now coaching the Las Vegas Aces, which for the next few years are going to be a dynastic team in the WNBA. And they're going to be a dynastic team in the WNBA in part because of an owner willing to stunt on the WNBA rules, in part because of Candace Parker being a mercenary to jump to that team, in part because they have the the long-term commitments of Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. I think Jackie Young has a contract coming up soon, but Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray. The other reason why is they have the best player in the W in Asia Wilson on their team. And Asia Wilson is going to be the cog in the machine that leads to this being a dynasty. They won a championship last year. They have the greatest regular season team in the history of the W, well on their way to winning a second championship. And launching a dynasty for the next four to six. I mean, Asia Wilson is only 26 years old. Kelsey Plum is in her early 20s. Sue Bird ended up playing in the W until her 40s. Diana Taurasi is still playing in the W, I believe, at age 39. Like, what you have right now is the beginning of a dynasty in the W, and I don't think Becky Hammond is going to leave for another job, in part because the NBA isn't really going to be looking and in part because Mark Davis is probably going to compensate her like she is one of the like an NBA head coach. She is far and away the best head coach in the WNBA, and her decision to jump to the WNBA as a head coach 18 months ago, which we talked about in saying that's being phrased incorrectly because it's viewed as a disappointment more than it is an incredible opportunity and a, a step up in her career path. She's being rewarded for the results, and if she was on her way to being the first head coach in the first female head coach in the NBA three years ago when she was an assistant with Popovich and was the first female assistant, was the first female coach to win a summer league title, and was the first female coach to be on the front of a bench in the NBA, if Becky Hammond was on her way to being the first female head coach in the history of the NBA three years ago, she should be even closer now because she is proving herself far and away by dominating in the W and her dominating in the W has been an incredible story to watch because the Las Vegas aces are so much fun 
She's been given the best team in the league, and as the best coach, she and the Aces have put together the greatest regular season in the history of the sport, and it's not even close, where even the second and third place teams are losing by 15 and 20 points against them. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes three days a week. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday is our recording schedule for the time being. Leave a five-star review, a download, any and all support is greatly, greatly appreciated. If you want to support our dreams, we're doing local radio all the time in Sacramento. We've got a book that you can purchase. It's called The Spurs Dynasty. We talk about Becky Hammond ever so briefly in the book, but there's also a broader conversation about the Spurs and Greg Popovich and everything going on in San Antonio. We've got that available. Any and all ways that you support our dreams are greatly, greatly appreciated. And even just listening to this show and leaving some downloads does more than enough to help support our dreams. We'll be back again tomorrow for one more episode this week. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.